Welcome to Amazing Women, Rhode Island, women who make a difference in our communities. I'm Deb Ruggiero. Don't forget, you can listen to this show anytime online at AmazingWomenRI.com and on all your favorite podcast streaming services. My guest is Ellen Ford. She worked at People's Credit Union for 37 years, rising from an entry-level teller to serving as president CEO for the last 17 years of her career. Under Ford's leadership, People's Credit Union doubled in size and made some significant technological improvements. Ellen graduated from Rogers High School in Newport. She's a graduate from URI. She was inducted into the Cooperative Credit Union Association's Hall of Fame and in 2013 was presented with the Women in Business Achievement Award from Providence Business News. Ellen, thank you for joining us. It's great to see you again. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's fun. So you're probably busier now more than ever since you're in retirement, right? <laughs> you know, I didn't expect that. People say that. And uh, yeah, I can't even tell you what I did yesterday. I'm just <laughs> you know, fun, busy. So. Wow. 37 years at People's Credit Union from teller to the president. That is quite a journey. Talk about rising uh, from the ranks. Did you know you'd get involved in banking when you graduated URI? Oh, gosh, no. No, actually... Um, I was working at the credit union when I did graduate. So when I left high school, I went to URI because that's what you do. You know, you go to college. I was originally going to be a chemistry major. I wanted to be, um, I'm going to date myself. I wanted to be Sam on Quincy. I wanted to be a forensic chemist. Um, before that was all cool. And I went for about a year and a half and I just did, and that wasn't for me. And it was, you know, time to take it, make it, take a break and see what I wanted to do. So mm -hmm. I left URI, needed a job and I got a job as a teller. I was waitressing at the same time, but I got a job as a teller at the credit union. And that was in uh, 82. Um, and then I did that for maybe a year. And I realized, okay, this is, I want to do something more. Uh -huh. So back and started night school. And I finished my degree at night while That's I was working right. full time and working part-time waitressing. So the career opportunities pretty had to be pretty compelling. People's Credit Union that you didn't even consider looking for another job in a bank or a financial institution. Absolutely. I liked the company. I liked, um, you know, and I, I was definitely, you know, more on the, the number side. I was taking an accounting class and I liked that. So, you know, at the time, the credit union also had a benefit where they would reimburse you for tuition. So, I mean, they, you know, helped through that process. And I just kept taking classes and, um, when an opportunity opened up in the bookkeeping area, I went and did that. And that was a great opportunity because you see the all back end of the operation. Um, I did some IT, which was called data processing back in the day. Right. Um, you, know, you bring the system up in the morning and, which, you know, old IBM punch cards. Um, so I really was exposed to a lot of different operations, um, which I think was extremely beneficial as I, as I progressed through. Um, Eventually, you know, at each time a position came open, I had myself in a place where I was qualified for that position. So I worked my way through and ended up being CFO. Um, and then from CFO was the CEO position. So I worked in a lot of different departments in the back office. Um, so I really had a good understanding of how the company runs um, and, and what the people do. And I think one of the things that I think is a huge benefit for me was because I did come through the ranks, I think you gain a little bit more uh, respect and integrity from the people that are in those positions because they knew you did it before. Absolutely. 
talking about it and say, oh, you got to do this, you got to do that. I, I, I had done it. So, and I know how hard they can be. How large is uh, People's Credit Union? I'm going to talk about that. And then I want to talk about, because I think people need to know the difference between a credit union and a bank. Oh, sure. Um, well, when I started, we were, I want to say we were like 70 million. I remember when we broke 100 million, it was a big deal. We, we had a big you know, celebration with the board and stuff. Um, we were like 70 million. When I left, we were just over 500 million. Wow. And how so, many locations? Six. Six. There's okay. And so what is the difference between a bank and a credit union? Just so people can understand that. Or I, this is actually one of my favorite things to discuss. Um, from the services perspective of what you offer, they're commodities. I mean, you can get a checking account anywhere. You can get a checking account at some of the banks that don't even have brick and mortar. So, you know, the products really aren't that different. The service, we always like to say the service is better at a credit union. It's more personalized. Um, and I totally believe that. But it's really the business structure that's really different. So a bank is in business as an invest as an investment vehicle. They they're there to make money, to give money, make money for their shareholders. And that's that's great. You know, they could be selling sweaters, but they chose to do financial services, and that's how they make their money in return to their shareholders. A credit union is owned by the shareholders, so it's a little different. It's um, everything that the credit union does, the filter that they start with is what does this do to benefit the member? Not the shareholder who needs to get a return on investment, but the member. So every, you know, not only are the decisions differently, um, but I, what I like about it is it's not all about, oh my gosh, are we gonna make our numbers this month? Or you know, we're gonna get bought out next year because there's another big bank coming in the area. None of that can happen in a credit union unless the membership vote to say that's okay. So, you know, we have like 35,000 members. You'd have to have, you know, those people show up to an annual meeting. They would have to vote to say, yes, it's okay. We want to merge with such and such or sell or be sold to such and such. So there's a lot more, um, I think, flexibility um, in the business because you're not always under that guise of, are we going to be here next year? Is it easier um, to manage credit unions because you don't have to worry about a corporate takeover from another financial institution? You know, I, I can't speak to the, how the banking side feels, but I would feel that way. I think, yeah, that's, you know, you don't have to worry about, oh my gosh, what do we need to do so we don't get taken over? We just have to stay, you know, financially sound and solvent so we can continue to serve our members. Um, you know, and no so one's gonna what are the benefits, Alan, for somebody, you know, investing and, and starting a checking account, as you mentioned, in a credit union versus a bank? Are there lower interest rates? Are there, you know, better CD rates? What's the benefit? Yeah. It depends on the area, you know, different areas and different credit unions or banks running different promotions. Generally speaking, the rates are better. And I'll say that generally. I do know in, in my experience, the fees are definitely lower in most, in most cases. So whether it's a return check fee or a monthly statement fee, which most of the time you should be able to avoid those. Right. You know, able to get a, a state a free a monthly fee free checking account. No one should be paying fees unless there's something extra they're trying to get. Um, but generally the fees are lower. The rates are comparable, if not lower. Um, the service, I, I, you know, in my experience, the service is, you know, very personalized. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there is a lot of what I've seen change over the decades that I worked there. 
Um, you know, the people you know, you see them every week when they come in to cash their check and they come right. in for a long time and you talk with them and f- sign a couple of things and here's your loan. Yeah. Regulation has changed so much that you can't just say, I know Deborah Giri, I know she's good for this loan and just right. make when everything has to be, you know, documented. And, you, and, I, and I understand why you want to make sure there's no discrimination and everybody's treated the same. But um, credit yeah. unions still have that old family feel of we know you and what can we do for you? And you know, another thing too is at least in my experience at the People's Credit Union, I mean, I would have members call me directly. And I had, you know, a couple of members that I would meet with regularly. I had one member I balanced her checkbook for. We, you know, As a president, CEO of the credit union, you balance her checkbook. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I ended up taking it over and it turned into a whole other thing. But um, how, does, know, how did people's credit union start, Ellen? Uh, there was seven back in 1922. There was seven members, uh, seven men who worked at the Naval Torpedo Station. Mm-hmm. And from I und- my understanding of the history is, they, you know, they felt that the regular blue collar worker was having a hard time getting financial services. The banks wanted to deal with the bigger money people, you know, anyone you know, had more money or, and these were just, you know, somebody wanted to put their, be able to get financial services, get a loan. Um, so these seven men each put $5 in. It started with $35 and that was how the credit union started. They had gotten incorporated. Wow. 1922, and then they just, you know, absorbed members or attracted members from the Naval Station. And um, that's kind of how, that's how, that was how it began, which. And then somebody, one of those three or seven men were actually, you know, find uh, loans and and how would that get distributed to some of those members? Yeah. um, Well, you know, I wasn't around then. No, me neither. (laughs) I know is they would literally they would meet. Um, I, I don't know how often I want to say it was weekly is, is usually how they, they would start. They'd meet weekly. They'd go through the re- loan request and they just sit there with a paper and pen and say, well, do you think Joe's good for it? Yeah. Joe's good for it. Um, he needs a hundred bucks. What do you think? Yeah. Let's loan him a hundred bucks. We got it here in our kitty. And that's how the credit union started. Fascinating. Credit union started. The story of all the credit unions is most of them are like that. It just starts out as something really small in somebody's kitchen or, you know, and eventually grows. So really, I think it really is community banking. <laughs> if you're just joining us, welcome. I'm Deb Ruggiero, host and creator of Amazing Women, a radio show that highlights women who make a difference. Karen Kay is our producer. She is amazing. She's been helping me with this show since we started in 2004. My guest is Ellen Ford. She's worked at People's Credit Union for 37 years before retiring. She started as a teller and then spent the last 15 years of her career as the president and CEO. That's pretty interesting. You know, do you think the path of starting as a teller and then rising through the ranks to CEO is an option today, or is this a totally different corporate culture? That's a good question. Um, I mean, I always think it's an option. Absolutely. I think it's an option. Um, I think it's rare that someone stays in a company for 37 years these days. (laughs) you know, could you rise from one position up to a leadership position as a career? Yeah. At the same company? I don't know that, how often that happens. Um, right. But yeah, I would never say that that's not possible. I don't think it's as easy as it was. Everything was, you know, back in the day as well, we were growing. So we were filling positions all the time. I think now there's, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of 
cutting of staff. And so there's not as many additions to staff to move people along. Um, so I think and that I makes think sense. When they, sometimes when they, they look to promote, it's nice to have somebody with experience from the outside who comes in, you know, and just can share maybe a different culture. Well, you're absolutely right. And I think that that's one of the things that I was very cognizant of. Um, my experience was very limited to one company. And right. that's nice in some respects, and it's a, it's a hindrance in others. So I made an effort of when I needed to get someone to fill in my leadership team, I did look, if there wasn't somebody inside that I was absolutely 100%, you're the right one, I always wanted to look outside for somebody that would bring a different perspective, different ideas. Um, you know, creativity is definitely not one of my strong suits. <laughs> I'll be the first <laughs> to say, you know, see, I want to look for somebody that's going to balance off what my limits are, limitations right. are, yeah. you know, and be open to whatever their ideas are. And, and your you successor, know, I've met with Sean Daly a few times, great guy. Um, was he in People's Credit Union or how, how did that uh, transition happen? Yes, um, we had hired Sean as CFO, um, probably, I want to say two and a half years prior, mm -hmm. uh, maybe three years prior. So he was years. also elevated from internally, from an internal position. Correct. Yep. Wow. Yep. Um, so yeah, he joined us. He was a great addition. Um, and his, he's mm -hmm. a good example where his background was not just banking. He had a lot of, he had a really broad, all leadership, um, very strategic. We were looking for a strategic thinker, very strategic, great leadership, um, but in different industries. So he brings a whole different view of, of the credit union and what he can do as a leader because it's not just confined to financial services. I mentioned in my introduction of you, Ellen, you went to Rogers High School. What was it like growing up in Newport and what brought you to Aquidneck Island? Sure. Uh, well, we moved here when I was two. My dad was in the Navy. So uh -huh. we, I was born in Charleston, South Carolina. Then he was pitched, uh, stationed up here in Newport. So then we just, you know, stayed here um, or stayed there, I should say. Um, it, you know, Growing up in Newport was just awesome. I mean, we had a great, you know, we had a great neighborhood. Um, I remember, you know, playing kickball out in the streets. We'd go to the Navy base. You know, we had all the ships were here at the time. So like around Christmas, it was funny. I've seen some stuff coming this, this Christmas in particular. I noticed a lot like on Facebook, uh, pictures of the old Navy ships all lit up at Christmas time. They had lights all over them and we'd go down. You know, it was just walk to the beach, hang out at the beach. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. Yeah, it still is. <laughs> it's, and as much as it's nice to be in Florida and the weather's nice, it's, it's not the same. Well, so you're, so you're a snowbird and then you come back to, you're still on Aquidneck Island though, right? Oh yeah, I'm in Middletown. Yeah, yeah. that's what I thought because you're also on the board of the Potter League for animals. Um, is, is there a personal connection for that volunteerism? Oh, well, I'm a big animal person, big animal lover. Um, when I, st I started, let's see, volunteering with the Potter League probably, I don't know, maybe 25 years ago. Um, wow. I was a cat, like cleaning the cat cages in the morning um, on the weekends because I was still working. And I started helping out there. A couple of years later, they approached me and asked if I'd be interested in serving on their board. So that's how I got into the board, the board position. But I do make a point of every time I go to a board meeting, I walk through the, the shelter first. 
Mm -hmm. I shouldn't even call it a shelter because it's not. If you have never seen it, it's gorgeous. Um, I walk through the facility first so I can see the animals that are there. So when I get into the boardroom, my mindset is we're here for them. It's right. not just, just go to a board meeting and leave and it becomes very, you know, businessy. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Well, I think it's no. important, you know, once you retire, you know, you're giving back now, but you've been doing it for 25 years. I mentioned too that, you know, before you were the president CEO of People's Credit Union, you were once a teller, which I think is amazing. Um, what are some of your memories as a teller and where'd you work? Well, that's so funny. Um, I worked in Middletown and at back when I first started there, if any of you have been, anybody's been around long enough, the building that the credit union's in now is, is the newer building. There used to be a building in front of that small one floor, um, with a basement cement oh. that was right across from, I think it was Midland Volkswagen Motors where Chili's is now. So the parking lot in front of the credit union is where the original building was. And I was a teller there. Um, you know, there was no direct deposit back then. There was no PCs back then. So, you know, payday, the line literally, literally was out the door. And you literally get your little checking account book and they'd stamp it, right? <laughs> <laughs> The passbook, we had passbooks. passbooks. Um, yep, director shipyard, when they'd come in, the line would be out the door, Navy payday. Um, you know, and some of my fondest memories of being a teller is, is just some of the, the members that would come in. And they would wait in line because they wanted to see you. You know what I mean? Um, you are. They'd be one, you know, I can remember some, I'm not going to mention any names, but, um, you know, one woman, she knew I was going on vacation. She bought me a photo album. She goes, I want you to fill this up and bring me back pictures. And, you know, you'd be, it's like family. It's, yeah. you know, same people week after week after week. So, um, you know, you don't see that as much anymore because everybody does direct deposit or, you know, gets their money from an ATM or so. Um, it's funny. Your story reminds me. I was a cashier at First National Store when I was in high school way back when. And you had certain customers that would just wait in line because they wanted to see you and socialize. I remember the manager telling one customer, we're opening another register. And he'd say, no, I, I want to see Deb. And it's like, oh, that's weird. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, man, when we first met, uh, if you're just joining us, uh, thank you for listening. I'm Deb Ruggiero. Ellen Ford, the uh, former president and CEO of uh, People's Credit Union, is my guest. And we first met, Ellen, when then Treasurer Magaziner launched the Bank Local Program. I chaired the House Committee on Small Business. And for people who are not familiar with the program, in 2017, the Rhode Island Treasury deposited $30 million in local banks and credit unions that would then loan to Rhode Island small businesses. Over 450 small business loans were made, and many of them to minority and women-owned businesses. And I recall in our committee hearings uh, when you testified, Ellen, uh, People's Credit Union was one of the first adopters of the small business loan program to loan to Main Street businesses. Tell us about that decision and why it was important. Yeah, um, actually that was a very easy decision. I do, I do remember that. Yeah. You know, that's what we've been doing, we were doing all along. And what we loved about it was it was a partnership. It was a partnership between government and, you know, I'll say the private sector, but community owned. Um, and, and that was such a, I thought that was such a great, step forward for our state. Um, it gave the credit union, you know, when there was that loan that you weren't really sh like maybe on the, on the line, it, it gave you that say, well, yeah, but we can, this can go through that program. So why wouldn't we? Right. Um, and capital and I, is, it's the lifeblood of any business as we know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, 
you know, it was a win-win-win all the way around. I think it was a win for the state. It was a win for the credit unions and banks that participated. And certainly yeah. it was a win for the, the member or the customer. And um, over 12 banks and credit unions participated. And if you're yeah. listening, you're interested, just go to the Treasury website. It's called Bank Local. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about, you know, inflation. Everyone's talking about inflation, uh, but I guess inflation happens because of me and you, right? Spending. Yes. <laughs> and until we stop spending, right, the inflation doesn't go down. So it's uh, the supply um, is uh, not there for the spend. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's 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 gotten a little better in some in some areas. It's gotten a little better. And, mm -hmm. you know, some areas I don't you know, certainly like we've seen the gas prices come down a little bit. Um, car prices are still crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, again, it comes down to, you know, the, the demand that people have and there isn't the supply. Um, what was your biggest challenge that you experienced in your 37 years um, at People's Credit Union? What would you say your biggest challenge was? Ooh, biggest challenge. Um, I think this is, is very, this is very operational, but we changed bank systems, the computer systems, the, the main base system, the core system. Mm -hmm. um, twice in my, you know, my career and they're, they're hellish, you know, going through a conversion is you really have to stop, um, pretty much every forward progress stops for almost two years because wow. everything is about getting ready for this system. Picking out the right system is obviously the, the most important piece, but training everybody, getting everything ready, restructuring everything, cleaning up the files. It really is a arduous process mm -hmm. and it's, yeah. it can be difficult to the membership. So you do everything you can. Mm -hmm. So the members seamless, it's completely seamless. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that's because you don't want to stop and spend a year doing something like that. You want to keep moving. Um, but you know, it's for the betterment in the long run, but that, that, those are always challenging. And what do you, you know? think your biggest accomplishment was? Ooh, biggest accomplishment. Um, well, one of the things I think that I may be most proud of is how many years ago it was um, we just, I just realized we needed to just relook at our culture. Um, and, you know, it, we were a great organization. We were a family based organization, but it really didn't have a foundational culture. It just kind of happened. It is what it is. So as we were growing, I, I sensed that trust was not in the forefront. Um, so I brought in, uh, actually it was, uh, Franklin Covey as a company. We brought them in and we spent probably a good year. Just everybody went through the same training. Um, every new employees required now to still go through the training. That's a yep. speed of training. Um, and also at the same time, and it wasn't by, it just was by happenstance. There was a lot of issues in the large commercial banking arena you know, the Wells Fargo's and the Bank of America's where they were in the news of how right. they were taking advantage of people. And, you know, we were like, oh, we did not, that wasn't us. We'd never want to, anyone to think that's us. So we focused on trust. It was all about trust. And you didn't want to be tarred with that same brush, I'm sure, you know. We did change the internal culture significantly. I mean, we had a few people select, they actually self-selected out. They're like, well, this isn't the kind of place that I want to be if I have to treat everybody with respect and, you know, use the... Mm. <laughs> No well, that's problem. an important corporate culture to be very yeah. proud of. Yeah. Who are some of your mentors? Oh, wow. Um, well, this is going to sound really strange, 
But, you know, Sean Daly, who's taken over, I, you know, I, he is definitely someone that I confided in. Um, and I would consider him a, a, an example of, of leadership and strategic thinking. And he's just, he's got this great, you know, he's got the great, a great resume, you know, so I respect and treat him on. There's some other, you know, CEOs um, that I'm very, you know, friends with that I look up to and, you know, I feel I can pick up the phone and call at any time. Um, you know, there's a guy, I don't want to name certain no, ones. No, that's okay. You don't have to. Here, here's a fun question. I'll, I'll end with this. If, if you could have lunch with anyone living or dead, with whom would you love to have a conversation? This is going to sound really strange, but I, I love music. And this has uh-huh. completely off of this talk conversation. But I, I love Frank Zappa. And I would have loved to have a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Frank Zappa and the mothers of invention. Oh, my gosh. You're dating yourself, too. And me, too. <laughs> Artistic. He's just so different. And I just. Yep. So where are you, you coming from? And you're, you're, you know, he's, he's I'll never there. forget Frank Zappa. The one thing I know about him is don't eat yellow snow, right? <laughs> Where the huskies go. <laughs> Funny. And I'll just end to on my side is, you know, have fun at work, have fun at your job. I, I will say that one of the things that I miss, I'm, well, there's not a lot of stuff I miss, but I miss the people. Mm-hmm. And I'm still very close with a couple of people that I work with. We stay in contact all the time and go out to lunch and this, that, and the other. But have fun. I mean, we laughed yeah. every Great advice. Thank you so much, Ellen Ford, for your years and years of leadership at People's Credit Union. Enjoy your life. You've done so much and there's better days ahead, I'm sure. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Deb. I end each show with a quote, and this one is from Teddy Roosevelt. It is not the critic who counts. Anyone can criticize. The credit goes to the women and men who are actually in the arena. I'm Deb Ruggiero, and don't forget you can listen to any of the Amazing Women podcasts on all of your favorite streaming services and at the website, amazingwomenri.com. Stay well.